Well, welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. I don't know if you realize it, but the sound that we're hearing here in the room, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. That sound is the sound of procession. You know, the sound of procession is like in those movies where you see royalty and dukes and nobles and and the herald announces them as they come in. But when the king is coming in, there's a, there's a whole procession. There is, I mean, there's a, there's a fanfare. There's, there, there's something that precedes him because his, his glory is reflected in the accompaniment that, brings, that he comes with. And if we are going to host the manifestation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on earth. There is a sound that opens that gate of heaven and begins to invite the procession of God. And our worship is inviting. Our worship is the sound that causes faith to arise and to ignite a desire in heaven to meet us in worship where we are. So we say, Lord, come to the earth. We say, fill this place with the glory and the beauty of heaven. Let the gate be opened. Let heavenly beings make their way into the earth. We say, let there be more of them than there are of us. Fill this place, Lord with the worshiping chorus of angels who lift up your name as the redeemed ones in heaven and earth release the sound of pure praise, adoration, esteem and honor, blessing and glory to your name. Fill the earth. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Don't get distracted by the songs that we're singing. There's an interaction happening between heaven and earth right now. And we're not singing songs. We're, we're getting the attention of heaven. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on heaven. Fix your eyes on the glory of the risen king whose, whose presence falls like droplets, who comes like the rain. There's a presence. There's a dynamic. There's a glory. We're not enjoying the music. We are enjoying Him. Oh, God. There's no God like Jehovah. I wonder if we could pause for a second. That sound we are just making, there's something beautiful in it that, that we shouldn't be pulling away from, but it's like we can't help it. You might be wondering why I have this coffee cup here. This is my favorite cup, but it's cracked. But it's, I'm trying not to let it go, but I know I'm going to have to because coffee's starting to leak out. But you know what? When I go to drink from this cup, I never mistake the coffee from the cup. I can enjoy the cup, and I can have a preference of the kind of handle or, you know, this just fits good in my hand and I like the thinness of this up here because it's less likely to spill on my shirt. But what matters most when you're drinking from a cup is not the cup, but what's inside of it. And when we're worshiping, we are drinking 
of something, and the song and the sound we're using is just the cup. It's just the cup. And, and sometimes we want to, hey, can I have a different cup, please? I've, I had a, you know, the color of that cup is boring me. But it, it doesn't matter. I, I can drink 10 cups in a row if I had the capacity. And as long as I keep enjoying the coffee, the cup doesn't matter. The cup doesn't get boring because each sip is, is like a new sip. It's refreshing and it's wonderful and I'm enjoying it. And we are drinking from the Lord, but we get distracted by the song because the song is the cup and we're interacting with the cup more than what we're drinking. We are here to drink from the presence of God. And something in our mind wants to, let's keep changing up the song because that's what we're in tune with more than what's in the song. And I'm, I'm, I, I beg of you, drink of the Lord. Drink of the Lord. There's something to be enjoyed more than the trappings of the worship and the pageantry of flagging and, and the atmosphere and the musicianship and the, the collection of songs. There's something in the room that's far more beautiful, far more glorious than the pleasantness of sounds and harmonies. There's something in the room that's coming through those sounds, but it's infinitely greater than the cup we're drinking from. Oh, pull on heaven now. Pull on heaven. Lord, we say you are beautiful beyond description. Oh, God, and we want to drink from you today. Lord, we want to drink from your presence today. You are the fountain of life. There today, God, we declare that there is no God like you in all the earth. And as we continue to sing this, there's a faith declaration that's going out. There is no God like Jehovah. And I, I, I pray for you today as you sing this, that something of the goodness of God is going to break out over your life as never before. God, in the name of Jesus, oh, we want to drink. Oh. Lord, we invite you. We invite you. We invite the kingdom of God. We invite the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We invite the goodness, the favor, the beauty of who you are to come to the earth. We say your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your goodness, your beauty, your love. Oh, the wonder, the wonder of who you are. Listen, we are not spectators today. We are calling. We, our faith is reaching to pull down what is in heaven to the earth. This is the objective of prayer. This is the objective of worship. Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm reminded of that Maxwell House commercial from years ago. It says, good to the last drop. And I want to say, Lord, you are good. You are good. You are good. Oh, you are so good. Lord, you are so good. And Oh, Father, I pray 
in the name of Jesus, that we would not miss any of what you long to pour out here. Can you say amen? You know, we're, I, I don't know if you realize it, but part of my job is to help establish in you as people, and this is my pursuit for me personally, because I feel like there's levels, there's expressions, there's beauty in God that I haven't been able to drink in, and it's my desire to drink in more. But like you, I'm also called to pull those that are in, in the wake of my life to say, hey, there's more of God that you can drink from. You know, and, the, and I go up back to this, this paradigm all the time that the four beasts that are before the throne of God who say day and night, day and night, day and night, they never grow tired of the text. They never go tired of the information that's in what's going on. Because they're not oriented around the information that's in the text. The, the knowledge of God is more than the information that can be conveyed with words. The knowledge of God is a beauty like, like, like living water that you drink it. And the, and the four beasts are enjoying. They're enjoying the Lord. And when they say what they say, when we, when we sing songs like His banner over us is love, if you're intellectually connected to the words His banner over love, you can only say that so many, so many times before those words become boring. But if you're doing more than saying those words, if you're drinking in the actual banner that is love, the words are superfluous. And it's like the coffee cup. Each drink, you don't have to change cups with every sip because it's not about the cup. The, the cup is immaterial to the experience almost. Not completely immaterial, but it's almost immaterial. And we, are, we have become an intellectually soulish-oriented people who are presenting a form of something but we need to exalt what is in and coming through that form. This is the essence of God in our midst. The beauty of the risen Christ. The beauty of Jesus Christ resurrected. The wisdom hidden from the, since the beginning of the foundation. Hidden from the eyes of men. Hidden from creation. And being unveiled little by little by little. And we get to drink of the beauty that is the wisdom of God, the beauty of God. And to be captivated again and again and again so that our, our love becomes, a, becomes an enigma to the people around us. And they, what is it that makes you so passionate? Church cannot be that interesting. And we say it isn't, but he is. It isn't that interesting, but he is. We're not doing church. We're doing God. We're not drinking in of music and sounds and sermons. We're drinking in the living word. The living God. The living God. We are drinking in the living God. Oh, if we could fully, if we could fully get this. We are drinking in the living God. <laughs> 
Oh. And when you get into that zone, you never want to stop. When your eyes lock with his eyes, when you see the fire in his eyes, when his eyes begin to speak volumes of knowledge that are beyond comprehension, you can't help but just continue to want to gaze. So my prayer, my prayer this morning is that a, an awakening would come to every single one of us. And if, even if you're here today, you say, I've experienced Jesus more times than I can count. I want to tell you, there's more. There's, there's another layer to come off your heart to experience and feel the beauty of God. Ha! Huh in a way that will make you say, I thought I knew him. I thought I had tasted. This is what keeps us coming back to the table of God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Now listen to me. You could walk away from this moment and say, man, that's a beautiful song. It's a nice song. It's made beautiful by an oil that's running through it because worship in spirit and truth is happening in the room. And the Holy Spirit wants to make a distinction in your life because you've been going after cups. You've been going after a different cup. And you become bored with that cup and you want a cup of a different color and try this cup and that cup. But what matters (laughs) is the substance that's being poured out in the cup. And your mind, your mind, your mind is not the principal thing through which you are receiving the beauty of God. Your spirit is. And I'm contending for your breakthrough. I'm contending, I'm contending, I'm contending. Because even when you think you've tasted and seen, there's more. So yesterday, at the School of the Spirit, I shared this analogy, and I'm going to share it again. Because it's, it's so specific to what we need to be as believers let me tell you, when you are starving, when you're, when you're hungering, and somebody puts before you the most amazing hamburger in all the world, and you can experience that hamburger on a number of layers, you can look at that hamburger and you can, you can enjoy the colors, I mean, the green lettuce and, you know, the, the moistness of that tomato. Look at that. It's dripping. It's oozing with deliciousness. Man, you can drink in the, the flavors of the smells, the scent. Oh, the, the aroma of, of that is so, 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 so. Man, this, this is so good. And you can enjoy it on all of those levels. Imagine if you could do all that but never knew you could eat it. And you've been smelling hamburgers for years and walking away still hungry. You've been enjoying visually hamburgers for years and not really in pulling, taking it in. See, this is the life of God that cannot be absorbed with your mind. The life of God cannot be absorbed with your mind.
in the same way that your mind can't take in a hamburger. It has to be eaten. And when the Word is talking about taste and see that the Lord is good, to the same level, there's a distinctive quality of a tasting versus a looking at. And many of you, you look at the Word and you digest principles and you digest you know, phraseology and, you know, you try to analyze complexities and beauties of, of scriptures and this, and yet you you don't really taste. And you don't even know you don't taste. I'm talking to people that are in the room and people that are watching on video. There's a tasting of Jesus that can blow your mind. And we, we've been inoculated by church that teaches us to experience God vicariously through the beauty of musical talent and songs, but there is a more direct connection that God has meant for us to have. And I pray, it's my contention today that every single one of us on a, on a broader and broader way would be able to take him in. And I want to say that anybody who's disillusioned with church, somewhere along the line, you got distracted by the cup And maybe you're upset about the cups, and there's no good cups out there. It's not about the cup. It's not about that church. Cups can be very imperfect, and they are very imperfect. And you you began to be enamored by the cup that you were drinking from, but he says it's not about the cup. Come back to the cup, but don't make it about the cup. Drink from the cup. The body of Christ is a cup that we participate in as he pours himself out in the midst of us. But you know what? Parts of the cup right next to you can be sullied and cracked and broken, imperfect in many ways, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter if your eyes are on the drink itself. Oh, God, may we drink of you today. Can you say Amen. I appreciate what Pastor Mark's saying this morning. It's, uh, it's something for us to grab. The Bible says to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, but not to get caught on any of them being the only way. It's about the source, Jesus Christ, our Savior, because we can sing a song all we want, but if we're not connecting with the source, nothing changes. And so we worship so we can honor him, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the source of true life. Amen? Amen. You know, I just want to read something out of Psalms. It's been on my heart uh, all morning. Psalms 42, you're familiar with this. It says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before him? Day and night I only have tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking. As I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks. It was the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why am I so sad? I will put my hope in God. Singing for joy and giving thanks. It was the sound of a great celebration. This is what we're called to do, is to put our hope in him, because he is our king. Amen. Pastor Mark, come on. Let's hear from you. Now, some of you were at the uh, 
School of the Spirit yesterday. Can I have a show of hands? Never mind. I'm not ashamed to give a plug for the School of the Spirit. You know why? Because I know that 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 we are not making the most of the weaponry that God has given us. I know that I know that I know that I myself continue to be on a quest to pull down to more of God than ever before. I, I believe that there is a quantum leap above where we are now, myself included, every single one of us, us collectively. There's a quantum leap of effectiveness that we could make a difference. And we spend a lot of time, you know, bemoaning the fact that, you know, things are not going well in our nation. And that's true. And there's things we can and should be doing politically, socially, etc., etc. But what if the real answer was a level of the manifestation of God infinitely above anything we've seen thus far? And it asks the question, what is possible for a believing community? What is possible? What is reasonably to be expected from my faith? What kind of changes can I make? How effective can I be in representing the Lord? And, you know, truth is we hide behind partial results. You know, we hide behind, well, you know, we've done this. And, and I, I, I've, we've all done it. I've done that. I've sort of reached places where, you know, things are happening. And I, I remember being in this place in my life where things were happening and and I was trying to get people to notice what was happening. And, and I was thinking, why don't they notice what's happening? And the Lord said, Mark, could it be that you are overvaluing what's happening? And it's just not that great? Wow, that's a little sobering. But, but Lord, this person said, wow, this is really great. I, I mean, I, seriously, I, I remember in the earlier years of our ministry, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, why don't I have more favor with the things I'm bringing to the body of Christ? And, and it's like the Holy Spirit was trying to say, you know, the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth sets you free. And it was like the Lord was trying to say, Mark, it's just not that great. And I mean, we see a reflection of that in the natural, right? You know, you, somebody says to you, man, you, you really have a, a talent as a, as a singer. Oh, good, then I should go on American Idol. No, not that good. The, the language is, you know, the, that we use to depict good and bad is this narrow. The range of actual possibilities of good and bad is huge. And it's our lack of depth perception that causes us to be confused about A, what we have, B, what we don't have. But more than anything, it keeps us from leaning into what we could have. Let me say that again. Our enthusiasm over what we do have keeps us from leaning into what we could have. 
Because the difference between great and okay is masked when it comes to spiritual things. When it comes to natural things, it's more evident if you want to see it. But even then, as we've seen from shows like American Idol, where people come in because their mother said they were a good singer. My voice sounds amazing in the shower. Yeah, well, record yourself and listen back. You know, because why, why are you saying this, Mark? Why, why, what was that about? Because I am hungering and thirsting for an expression of God that changes the earth. I'm hungering and thirsting for prayers that halt the activity of heaven and cause all of heaven to be attentive to what happens on the earth. I'm hungry for a faith that unleashes the resources of the armies of God so that I can say with confidence, we're walking into the lion's den, but there are more with us than there are with them. You see, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, it says that the fivefold ministry is being given. That means there's pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, and evangelists are being given to the people of God. Let me find that because I'll, I'll read it verbatim just so you know it's actually... I'd read it in Greek except I can't read Greek and you don't understand Greek. Most of you. But it says this. It says that he himself gave some to be apostles and prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's great. That's great. We have those gifts. We have those expressions. And, and they're doing, the, the work is being happened. The, the body of Christ is being built up. It's being, what was that word? You, you say you looked up Latin, edify, what does it mean again? Make dwelling. It literally means make dwelling. It's, it's we, are, we are creating something. The edification of the body of Christ, your edification, your edifying, is to create a place that's suitable for the manifestation of the glory. And so, so God is looking at the body of Christ because his, his idea is that in the same way that he sent Jesus in the flesh and, the, and the, the glory fell on him and the ministry of the kingdom of heaven was revealed on him, he's saying, I desire a body. I de I'm desiring a people that will, that on whom I can manifest my presence, on whom and in whom I can manifest my abilities. Well, just how many abilities... And this is the thing, equal to or greater than Jesus. What? How dare you say greater? Why greater? Greater in the spread, greater in the numbers. Jesus said, greater works will you do than this because I go to the Father. Because he said, what I'm wanting to do is manifest, replicate myself and manifest myself thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. Well, how much? You know, tiny little expressions where each of us carry 1% of you? No! What if millions of you could carry 100% of me? What if the collective 
worship and ministry of a group of people walking together in Christ-mindedness would, would cause a manifestation of the presence of God so great that the demons wouldn't know whether they were back in heaven or not. I mean, this is, this is what we are after. This is what we're leaning into. And so I find little comfort in get, being just a little bit better than I was yesterday. Is there a satisfaction in a, in a shift, in a change? Yeah, momentarily, for a second. But I quickly become dissatisfied with that because my eyes are on him. And you know, yeah, you're right. There was a long time in those early years when I was, I was enamored with those little incremental changes. And say, wow, look how anointed we are. Look at when I pray for people, they fall down. I can prophesy over people. You know, people want to come and hear me speak. Wow, this is great. And the Lord says, yeah, but what if this could be possible? I want that. And, And what we're presenting before you as a people today is that same thing so that you could say, I want that. But some of us are not even sure if we can have that. And I want to tell you, you can have it. You can have that. You can have a manifestation of the glory of God and the presence of God and the, and the abilities of the Holy Spirit in your life on a level far beyond what you've ever thought possible. It's possible. But that, this is, in fact, God's intention. This is, in fact, God's intention for you. Oh, Lord, if I, just, if I could just have a safe little life, if I could just have, you know... My kids and them not, you know, if them serve the Lord and go to church. That's a vision formed by fear. That's defined by limitations of you think's possible in the flesh. What you think you might be able to produce. If only I could get my kids to serve the Lord. Well, you can't. The Lord has to do that. What you can do is by faith unleash the mind of God, unleash the capacities, the abilities of the Holy Spirit through prayer and through faith upon the lives of others such that they will not escape the accountability to a spirit of truth that plagues them all their days. See, I want to get past the limits because we have settled for an expectation of what this life could look like. And the line that we've drawn in the sand is a line that's far below what the Holy Spirit has given you in your heart as a promise. But, you know, we we went into this. We all went into this presumptuously. I remember, I mean, the first time I went out to evangelize, I thought, man, I've been praying in tongues. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. When I go out there, I mean, I've memorized the red. I've been preaching, you know, speaking the red. I've been declaring the red, you know, the red text in the Bible. I'm going out there, and, and nothing happened. And I thought... I thought, do I? And here's the thing. God is, God is looking at me and says, all right, what's going to happen? Are you going to downgrade your expectation or are you going to change? And it's far easier to downgrade my expectation than it is to actually shift into, to realize that, no, I'm the one that needs to shift. Not my vision, but I'm the one that needs to change. But I didn't understand because I thought I did it right. Okay, I thought I did the thing. I I said in the name of Jesus, I spoke the gospel. We prayed in tongues and it had this much effect. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe these people are just too evil. 
Maybe it's because their hearts, yeah, being Jesus, our ministry is the same, and it's just that they're too hard. They're like the Pharisees. No, you're not that good. And there is a time where people's volition comes into play, but part of the evidence that you've actually come to that level in manifesting Jesus is they're also trying to kill you. What are you talking about? What I mean is, is we as the church, and I was willing for a while to live in this, this world where I decided that, yeah, maybe that was too much of an expectation, but it's not because I did anything wrong. In other words, I had a very superficial understanding of what it was God was calling me into. And he's saying, your problem, Mark, is you think just because you spent a few hours in praying in tongues and because you, you didn't curse that guy out when, you, when, he, when, he, uh, when he cut you off in traffic and you, you said nice things to those girls that you were trying to flatter, you know, that, that you are the perfect Christian. And, I, and the version you are right now is many generations below the version that will have the impact that you want to have. So you can decide today what you want to do. You can lower your expectation or you can decide that you need to change. And I decided it was me. And no matter how many times I go back to the mirror, I keep realizing it's me. And that doesn't discourage me. And I don't, I'm not ashamed about that. And I'm not condemned by that. But I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And I don't consider that I've attained. But I'm leaning in, pursuing and yes, I rejoice in when we suddenly come into things. But I, you know, and I and I love that. But but I tell you, I'm perplexed with things I don't see right now. And yesterday in the meeting, I felt like we bumped up against something in the spirit, and I went after it. And uh, you know, Pastor Eve was gracious. He said, you know, I felt a shift in the room, but I didn't feel the kind of shift that I thought should have happened. And so I'm thinking, God, what is happening out there that I can't affect yet? Well, where do you get these lofty dreams? What makes you think that you should be able to do this? The promise. The promise. This is the promise. And again, God is trying to find a people who will embrace the promise and hold themselves accountable to that promise and not downgrade it at all. To live in the tension of unrealized, you know, expectations, even though I know that I've done the max I know to do right now. There's something about us that, that resists that. But the promise is there, and this is, this is what it says. It says, the fivefold ministry has been given for this reason, that the perfecting of the people of God... But the question is, where's the finish line? What is the reasonable expectation of a finish line? When are we done? Jim Gaffigan has this great joke. He's, he's, he talks about loving food and all that and how out of shape he is. And He says, you know, I go to this gym and I, I see these guys walking around. And I think, what are you doing here? You're done. <laughs> When are we done? When are we, when are we reached the mark? Well, here it is here. It says, till these gifts are given. Until. Until. He's about to set a marker. He's about to give us the measurement. 
that should determine for us the extent of our vision. When we know we're done, this is it, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And he goes on and he gives some other descriptions. And then, and then he goes back into his prayer about the amazing power that's available in Christ. And he's trying to, he's, he's trying to create a faith in them. This is possible. I'm praying for you, he says, that the knowledge, the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of God would come over you so that you can see what's possible. I want to open your eyes. I want to take the veil off your eyes so that you can see what's possible for your life. What is a reasonable expectation? Well, I want to be like Smith Wigglesworth. I want to see, see though, and it's not about being like them. It's about, can I have the measured effect of these great men of old? Because, you know, they represent something of that standard. Anybody who has touched anything in the history of the church says to us, this is possible. So, Holy Spirit, I want to say, Lord, we, we want to be held accountable to that line. We want to anchor ourselves to an expectation that is higher than us. God, we want to leave the world of idolatrous celebration over small, incremental. We don't mind patting ourselves on the back for a second, but God, God forbid that we would stay there. And so, so we're leaning into something. We're leaning into this thing. And I, I shared this story before, but I, I got to share it again because what could be here? What could happen? What is God's intention that a pure manifestation of life would spring up in here, that, that, that a volume of water, of living water, pure as crystal, would manifest through a people here that would fill not only this room with an intensity that caused us to be captivated and changed and transformed each and every time that we come in, but it would spill out of these walls and begin to affect the region around. Because when I read about revivals, I read about a geographic transformation that consumes a region, that consumes a city, that consumes a county, I, I, that brings uh, the healing, that brings the, the, the freedom from cancer, that brings breakthrough, that breaks the, the tyranny of suicide and depression and organized crime and drug addiction. I see a manifestation. I mean, what else are we praying for if we can't? We're not saying, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And in the description of heaven is in heaven. These things are not there. None of these things are allowed in. Is there a manifestation of God in our midst in Spruce Grove that can say to principalities and powers, you shall not pass? Well, is that a reasonable expectation? What could it look like? We are living in the wake of, of faith 
that transform a civilization. The faith, you know, I was talking about this yesterday, and I don't know if this is going to make sense to you, but I, I was seeing something about wealth. And I was seeing something about the wealth of the West. And you think, well, you, and people look at, you know, the way they look at the cup. Well, what makes the West wealthy is the cup. No, 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 no. It's what's in the cup. Well, if we get education, if we get these governmental systems, if we get these things and these things, and these are the, the, the forms that contain an invisible substance that is the knowledge of God. And Christian uh, civilizations that have been rooted in a manifestation of the knowledge of God, they have those systems, and you try to import all those systems to another country, and they will fail. Because they're not what caused peace. They're not what caused stability. They're not what gave increase to economic wealth-generating systems. What gave increase to all those things is an intangible, invisible manifestation of God because there was a faith in the people. And they solidified those gains by creating systems, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, well, system is a great word, but it's like, like waterways. They have walls and containers. And these administrative expressions are containers for a substance that's released by faith. And I was thinking about this yesterday, and I was thinking, you know, there are people in India who work many more hours than you and make far less than you. What is the difference between them and you? And people say, well, it's education, it's the system. It's No, 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 it's faith. If you believe the word of God at all, God said to Israel, don't forget that I give you the power to create wealth. So that means anywhere wealth is not being created, it's because faith directed to the one who can create wealth is lower than it could be. You think, oh... I'm not anybody significant. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's, this is the beauty of it. Like, and this is why Jesus always said to him who has ears, let him hear. He would say, listen, I'm speaking these things, and there's a handful of you for whom this applies. The rest of you, yeah, eat dirt. The rest of your life, there's no chance Either you're going to walk in this or comprehend it. So if it's over your head, just duck. To him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear that you were made to be a vessel through whom the kingdom of God could come. Through whom the manifestation of beginning with your healing your wholeness, your restoration, but then extending past the borders of your immediate life to those around you that you can and will influence. God is saying, listen, the sky's the limit. This is why this story is so important, and it's the testimony of this fellow. In fact, I'm trying to connect with this guy when I go to Kampala. I, uh, he's from Kampala. I'm, I'm hoping he's there. I was invited to some meetings to, to be with him uh, later on in April, but I'm, I'm busy and I can't go. But this, this African fellow who was raised in this cult, he was taken, he had no parents, 
and he was raised, and he was taken to Malta, and he was trained in this cult. And this, this, I mean, it dominates. This is a global system that he was raised in. And he was, uh, he was a powerful broker. He went back to Uganda, and he, he became the top man in Uganda. The president answered to him. When he called the president, the president came to him. And they, in their witchcraft and what they did, they had constructs. They had structures established in the building that, that created a system of atmospheres that made darkness and captivity of the people possible. We need, we need to understand that what God, and this is aside from this, but what God's trying to do, he's trying to create structures in a church out of faith and out of worship that make righteousness possible for a city, that liberate people from darkness. And the very inverse of what happens through the old cult happens through the kingdom of God. But we're not talking about thoughts and education and and good information. We're talking about manifestation of spirit things. See, the, the, the witches, they know this, sometimes better than the church. We boil it down to morality and behaviors. It's not morality and behaviors. It begins with a kinetic energy that's released in a realm that's invisible. Yes that either has its origin, origins in hell or in heaven. And so he's in his city, and suddenly one day he gets a call. And the call says, take your people, leave Kampala, leave the city, I think, 75 miles. You must leave the city. He's like, why? He said, there's an evangelist coming from America. He said, well, well I'll, just, I'll just, you know, do what we normally do. He said, no, no, no. He said, anybody who touches this man either is converted or dies. Leave the city. And he was, he was mad. He was irate. He was confused. He thought, I, th- I thought we were the deal here. This is our city. I own this, this country. And he had to leave. And they said, he said, not only, not, only, not only do you leave for 75 miles, he said, but stay away for three weeks. Because his voice resonates in the atmosphere for weeks after he leaves. What's possible? What is possible? What is possible for us? I mean, we have set our eyes on a safe family. If I could just get a house, if I just get a new car, if I could just get a job with enough income and da 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 And the enemy has succeeded in downgrading our vision and downgrading our expectations to the point where, you know, if I could just make it to the finish line, if I can just die and still believe, you know, there's so many times I was discouraged and ready to quit. Oh, God, deliver us. Deliver us, Lord, from this fear-filled constriction. It's like a bow constrictor around your faith and expectation that squeezes and squeezes and squeezes and say, back up, back up, back up. And we, we eventually get to this little, now, this is as much as you can expect. And yet there are giants in the land who are walking in things. And what, what makes a man go into a city like Kampala, go into there with a crusade, who begin to speak and to pray and declare from a stadium the glory of God that causes the resonance of a power that reverberates through the the air that causes demonic spirits to not even be able to stay in the city. Can't even stay in the city. 
What if? What if we had that kind of faith? Well, where does it, where does it start? Where does it start? It starts yesterday with the school of the Spirit. Amen. It starts this morning yes. with worshiping in spirit and truth. It starts by re- realizing all the ways that we have tried to exclude ourselves from the kind of accountability that would make us dread, dread warriors. You know, dread warriors in the kingdom of God that Bob Jones prophesied would come. Uh, these are our people. These are like, I, I like to think about like athletic champions because a- athletes, high-level athletes, you know what? They hold themselves to a discipline. Sure, they like cake. They just won't eat it. Do you think they love to work out for hours and hours? Well, you know, they, they go, they work out in the morning, they skate, they do a pre-skate, they work out, then they have the hockey game, and they go and do stretching and ride a bike for an hour. I mean, their commitment to physical strengthening and discipline, it, sh- it rivals by many measures the average Christian's commitment to spiritual disciplines. And then we buy the thing, well, I'm not legalistic. I'm just going to, you know, God is with me no matter if I pray in tongues. It's like a hockey player saying, I don't need to work out. I got skills. Well, go eating what you want and not working out for a couple weeks. See how your skills fare. Because you're in an arena where people are serious. We are called to an arena to affect the world in incomprehensible ways. There are things... I, 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 f- I feel it. Every time we worship, I feel things that God wants to release to the earth and to a body of believers that will blow your minds in terms of what they could do. Yeah. But they're released through a, to a people who are going to steward them. Yeah. And I'm reminded again of that dream that my, my friend from St. John had. In the dream, he... Somehow was in heaven, he was with the Lord, and he went into this room behind the throne, and when he went in there on the walls were these indescribable weapons. And he's looking at them and they're they're rippling with power. Like they're just there's energy oozing off of these weapons. And he know he, he wants to touch them so badly, but he's afraid that something, you know, a bolt of a, of lightning might come off one of the weapons. And he comes out of there and he sees Jesus standing there. He says, he said, did you know those were back there? <laughs> he says, yes, we know. What are we saying? There's a measure of a stature of Christ. There's a, an expectation we can have. There's a vision that's defined by Jesus himself, by, by these great men of God, like William Booth, the Salvation Army founder who walked into a city and he said, I'm not waiting for a revival. I am a revival. Like the revivalist evangelist, he said, Here, 
Uh, he said, I, I go and I stand on a stool and I preach Jesus I, uh, with fire and they come to see me burn. Who do you think you can start a fire? Father, I pray today. This is the promise God gave me that here in Parkland and Spruce Grove that there was a caliber of people of unusual faith and expectation who would rise to a call. That there is a call and a sound that has gone out, a promise that has said, this is what I intend to do in Spruce Grove. That I want to release a power and a glory that will cause a ripple effect for in the region for 150 miles in every direction. And that's, I'm not talking about just us as a church. I'm talking about a people in a region. This is God's stated desire. That people couldn't even come in to this area without the knowledge of God hitting them on a level that they say, God is alive. I can feel him. Well, every time, what is it? Every time I drive through Spruce Grove, I feel so good. The weight of the world comes off of my shoulders. What is that? I must turn aside and see what it is. These are the things that God wants to do. They're available. To him who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, Father, I... I pray right now that we could lay down, God, our flawed expectations, our, our excuses, our, our whininess, our, 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 our self-pitying dribble, God, and say, we will be champions. We will, we will yeah, it hurts, but we're, where else shall we go? I will not turn back. I will not turn back. I will not turn back. That's the kind of heart that God is wanting to reward. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We didn't even know, Lord, how to respond. I want to solidify. I'm not going to make an altar call, but I, I want to solidify determination. I want to see you say, listen, I want, I want to resolve to enter your soul that, and say, wait a minute. I'm going to let God change the moorings of my life. I'm going to step past these anchored spots where I'm tied down to, to small thinking and small living. I'm, I, I, I want this. I want this more than anything. And the Lord is saying, well, how bad do you want it? I want it more than anything else. Are you sure you want it more than anything, anything else? Are you going to make excuses? Next time, next time I bring my report card to say, hey, it was all right, but it could have been better. You know, I... I I don't want people coming saying, this is a great church. I don't want people coming here and being impressed. I want people coming here and being transformed. Transformed. I mean, the disciples, they said, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. So there's something happening here, Jesus, with you that nobody else, we've never seen it. Lord, we want people to come here And for not us to say, this is a great church. For them to say, how awesome is this place? This is the house of God. And I didn't know it. How awesome is this place? 
There's a level of the glory of God. There's a level of the presence of God that you can bring unpeople into that will confront their paradigms. That even if they're not believers, that those things that they believe and they think they're sure of will begin to crack and break. But it's not dependent upon a worship team. It's not dependent upon uh, an orator or somebody who speaks. It's dependent upon the faith of those that are in the room. God, we cry out for heaven on earth. God, we cry out for the glory. God, we cry out for the manifestation of your presence. God, we cry out for you. God, we cry out for you. God, we cry out for you. Now, how is this going to be in, how, how is this going to be, how is it going to unfold? Embrace the foolishness of God. We do so much to protect our image and our reputation. We won't, don't want to be a part of anything foolish. And Paul said to the Corinthian church, they were caught up in that same thing. He says, he said, don't you understand? The foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men. We are fools for Christ's sake because this is real. This is real. And it's hid from the mind of those that are perishing. Can you hear me? It's hid from the minds of those that are perishing, but it's real. It's real. Will you touch heaven in your worship? I don't want to present something that's acceptable to the unsaved. I want to present something that's acceptable to heaven. That draws God to the scene. Lord, we pray for the release of dreams and visions. We pray for the release of angelic beings. We pray for the release of healing gifts. We pray for the release of the knowledge of God. That breaks through, that breaks through, that breaks through, that breaks through the beauty of God. To come upon a people. Father, we pray today. Lord, sometimes we've set our faith on a moment. And there are incremental moments when we feel we step into something. But God, we don't want that to inoculate us against a lifestyle of pursuing you. And Father, I don't want to make this about a charismatic moment where lightning hits us and we fall. God, I pray that you put us on a trajectory as a people where the sound that comes from our heart is, Lord, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. Not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And I say, Lord, constrain the passions and desires of my heart until you and I are one. This is what we want. This is a real probability. This is a real possibility. So we're going to close with this, but let me say this to you. There's something that God wants to give you. A few years ago, 
I came out of a season of being enamored with myself, and I looked at a father in the faith, and suddenly I realized there's something on his life that is not on my life. There's a fire on his life. And when it comes to the things of God, he's, this man is a literal machine. Like, does he ever get tired? He never seems to pull back. It's just this relentless, 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 relentless pursuit. He never seems to have to pull back to regroup or, or this or that or the other thing. God, what is that? I don't want to make excuses why I don't have that. I want to say, God, give me that. And this is what is available to you. There are people in your life who have a relentless passion for God. And rather than excusing you, say, well, that's because this and this. and Say, God, I want that. I want that. What is that grace? What is that grace that, that, man, I go to church twice a week and I'm done. I, I, we worship for 45 minutes and I'm done. We pray and I'm done. What is this? What is this fire? Is there something you can light in me? Is there a way that you can change me? And he's saying, yes, I can. 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 So we say, Father, give us what we need to be who you've meant for us to be. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks, team.